Welcome to the Grip Podcast, Episode 5. Uh, it'll be NASCAR-centric after we did the IndyCar preview a couple days ago. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine, And we have two guests tonight, the uh, host of Talking in Circles and a writer for Frontstretch.com, Clayton Caldwell, uh, somebody I work with, and Josh Builder, one of my good friends. Uh, we had a Bristol trip that was quite interesting. Hopefully we'll be doing that sooner rather than later at another racetrack. Uh, how's everybody doing tonight? Doing good, Phil. Pretty good. Great. All right. So we're going to start the show talking about the most recent news uh, in, in terms of uh, racetracks. And before we get into the recaps, Nashville Super Speedway, a track that hasn't been raced at since 2011, is uh, being brought back to race brought back to life all of a sudden and not only is it being brought back to life it's going to be hosting a cup series race and it has a four-year deal based on bob pockless's uh writing they're gonna do uh, at least cup and they're looking to have xfinity trucks and indycar at some point so i'll go to josh my co-host josh i want to get your thoughts and then I'll go to uh, to my buddy. Uh, when you hear pork roll, you'll understand it later. I'm going to transfer to him and then to Clayton, and then I'll give my two cents at the end. So, uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on uh, Nashville Super Speedway randomly coming back to uh, existence and being on the cup schedule next year? Yeah, I'm... Not sure I can be on board with that. Uh, seems very random that they picked Nashville Super Speedway out of all the racetracks that they could have picked. Uh, it, it was, I don't know, I mean, it's like, when's the last time they had a race? Like 2011, right? Yeah. I, I think I can only remember one good, or actually two good finishes and like one random moment from that track and you know brad keselowski i think he had his first career win back in 2008 uh at nashville um but it's not like there's really ever great racing and it's like it's a concrete track uh or on a sort of super speedway format i guess um it it just doesn't seem like it's going to be very conducive to good racing uh, especially with the Cup Series keeping its current package going into next year. So it's not not looking. I mean, we'll see what happens though. But I I'm not expecting it to be a good race. Yeah, I agree with that. I I figure I'll get into that in more detail. Uh, Josh, uh, the nickname Pork Roll. What were your thoughts? You're close. You're the closest one to all of us, basically, to that track. So what were your thoughts when you heard that yesterday, that uh, Nashville Super Speedway is going to be on board uh, next June, meaning June of 21, on the Cup Series schedule? Um, I will personally be there for that if uh, if it actually happens. So I was excited to see it. Um, all, all, I, all I really ask for is that NASCAR gets uh, Joe Nelms 
to do the uh, pre-race inf- inf- or uh, Joe Nelms. Sorry about that. Um, to do the pre-race prayer again. Uh, that oh was yeah, the, yeah. That was probably yeah. the best prayer in NASCAR history. So uh, I agree. That was that's my only only real request. Um, I just I personally like uh, watching a race in person better than on TV. I know on TV it's probably not a great race, but it's a yeah. great it's a great atmosphere to be in if if you are there. So I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty excited for it on that that aspect. And I will get into some of the more details about it later. I think we talked about it offline in terms of the racing. Clayton, I'm going to throw it to you because you've been um, quite outspoken, and I agree with a lot, and that's probably why we work together on the on talking in circles. But I'll give you the floor and let you um, talk about what you feel about Nashville Super Speedway being back uh, all of a sudden, and not only that, being on the Cup Series schedule here in 2021. I'll tell you what it reminds me of, Philip. It reminds me so much of the early 2000s when this sport was, you know, at an all-time high. And what did they do? They said, you know what, let's go to big markets and try and, you know, sell this sport to big markets. It doesn't really matter what the racetrack is. Let's just go to big markets. That's why we got the Chicago land a mile and a half track, a two-mile track over there in in Fontana, uh, and I feel like they're doing the same thing here with Nashville. There's a perfectly good short track in Nashville, an iconic short track that everybody's been dying for. And it just – I don't know if this gets us closer to that. I would love to see Nashville's uh, fairgrounds on, on this schedule. To me, that's the ultimate That's the ultimate track to go to. Even Memphis has, has uh, safer barriers that they can go to. I don't understand Nashville Super Speedway. I'm sorry. This racing in a truck series in Xfinity was – to put it nicely, it was horrendous, about as bad as you can get the last couple of years there. And to me, um, I just would like to see more short tracks. We haven't added the short track to the cup schedule since 1971. And to me, that's a major problem, especially when you got a fan base who is sitting here, especially after what we just saw at Bristol, which was a great race, yeah. for more short tracks. And they throw a 1.3 mile D shaped oval at you. I, I I don't get it at all. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean those the the point that you made about where we haven't added a short track to the Cup schedule since before the modern era started. The modern era started in 1972 when they set the limited number of races. They basically moved away from dirt. Etc. Etc. There was there. There hasn't been a short track added in like 50 years. That's basically what we're saying here. Now the angle here is uh, Marcus Smith and SMI kind of talked to Dover Motorsports Group and said, "Hey, why don't we go and open up Nashville Super Speedway again and show that we can have a race and sell out because they're only going to have like 25 or." 30,000 or maybe 50,000 seats and they could go and draw 50,000 people. They hope, um, even though I don't remember the last time they ever had a sellout at Nashville, but that's super speedway, but that's beside the point that they have limited seating. They're able to sell out. They have a cup race there and they're able to draw so that they could push 
the people in the legislature, not only the state legislature of Tennessee, but people in the local government at Nashville to go and allow to give $20 million to do all the re whatever the rehab and all the things they have to do for that racetrack. It, I don't get how one helps the other. I don't see, I don't really see the connection because in the end Dover loses a race and for both for Clayton and I, we're the, there's only two tracks or three tracks that are really close to us. One of them's Pocono. They've decided to make it a double header on one weekend. They've taken a weekend away. Dover now in 20, they've, effed with their schedule already it always used to be june and september forever now they've made it may and then august this year now with covid19 it'll be a doubleheader more than likely in august and then next year they're going to have one race and i feel as though whatever we're doing here in terms of nascar it's because those two tracks are independent tracks I think that's one reason, but then also it's NASCAR's inability to manage within what they have, and they have a lot of bad, mediocre, inferior racetracks on their schedule, but because of these TV deals and all these other deals, they insist on going to them. Uh, you know, they've moved the truck series away from what they were, what they had been for many years, and because of that, we're going to crappy cookie cutters with trucks and it looks stupid or they're going to cup or have cup with a 550 rules package, which is an absolute waste of time. And it's, it's a, I don't see where these connections are going. I text, I tweeted Matt Weaver. I'm like, where are we getting the guarantee that Dover is going to be able to have, to have a viable uh, race? They've, they've struggled with, with with fan drawing fans i went there in 99 or when the first time i went there in 99 tony was a rookie tony stewart bobby labani beat him the whole entire place was full it was 140,000 people i swear there was 140,000 people there the next year they had expanded to 160,000 and i think virtually that whole entire place was packed and tony won that day that was literally the only time i saw tony win live and from then on, it started going down slowly, slowly, slowly to the point where now they're lucky to bring 80,000 people there. I blame NASCAR in part because of the product that they provide. Their cars, they change the rules every year. Bad year doesn't make a good tire. Uh, you know, we could come, we can go over and over and over again as to reasons why it doesn't work at Dover. And they don't do a good job of presenting the challenge that exists at Dover. They used to, when TNN used to show races, uh, they showed the challenge of it. They don't show it anymore. Uh, um, they've also made it a one-groove dump hole, and uh, which is what what uh, Nashville would be, because it's concrete. It's very flat, which does not work for NASCAR stock cars. Uh, you, they're probably going to have to put grip strip on whatever it's the in the middle of the second lane to make a two lane racetrack uh, because unlike pavement you can't really go run up high or else you're going to whack the wall it's good you're going to make a, a tire that can function there i don't buy that um i i don't see where 
where this all works out. They have the scheme, and it's typical of the Smiths. Marcus Smith and his dad, Bruton Smith, they took over. They killed North Wilkesboro in 96, and between him and Bob Bear, they took away the two races there. Then Texas, I forget, they took away Atlanta's second date to go and make the second Texas race. And then they took, or, or that was Vegas, and they took away a date elsewhere. I think they took away Atlanta's second date and gave it to Kentucky, which, of course, for Josh, it's good and whatever. But Kentucky's never generally been known for the most exciting racing ever either. Um, so um, I guess I'll open the floor again, and we'll run through the same uh, order Uh Josh, uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, after, you know, kind of looking at these things, like what do we expect? Like what should we look for considering what kind of package we have it over? Are we going to, if it's a, if it's the Darlington package, it was a 550 rules package, but what are, what do we expect when we go there next year? Should probably expect what we normally see at the mile and a half tracks right now. You know, we have, It'll, obviously, there'll be crazy restarts like we've seen with this package right now. For the first four or five laps after the restart, there's going to be a lot of you know three wide action and and a lot of guys like all over each other, and not giving a lot of respect or any room. Uh, but you know, once we get past that, we'll see the leader check out basically. And I mean, you know, we've seen it hasn't been the total domination, but. Uh, sometimes the leader, you know, his tires wear out and the other guy catches up to him. But even on old tires, the leader is basically able to use uh, clean air and arrow push to basically, um, you know, take away the line from whoever's uh, in his tracks. And um, they, they get arrow push and, you know, they, they'll get tight and they can't get around the guy. So I, you know, I, I don't really expect there to be like a lot of side by side racing uh, next year at Nashville. Yeah, I agree on that. I mean, basically, you brought up when Brad won there for JRM. That was their first win uh, in the Xfinity series in the Navy car. And then I think Kyle Busch busted a Sam Bass guitar. Pastor Nelms went and had his great invocation, which was more entertaining than the race, as uh, Borkerl talked about. And uh, that was about it. I think Dario Franchitti took a ride there. Um, I may be mixing up tracks. It may be Kentucky and... and That was Kentucky. Uh, yeah, Kentucky and Michigan. He took, like, rides. He flipped... He did front flips. Uh, yeah, but he, he lived in Nashville because him and Ashley Judd, when they were they were married, lived there. Uh, I'll go to you, Pork Roll. Um, you're, you think you're, you're looking like you're going to be there. Um, have you been there before? Or, you know the when they were open for all those years before that and um in terms of like the experience out in that area what have you, what have you experienced out there you can give us more of a feel i guess um at, at nashville to me it's it's more the environment it's more the environment around the track and that may sound yeah. that may sound off key because you're there to watch a race but to me, but to me because I'd be, I'd been there um, okay every every race every every nationwide or Bush series you know 
um, each each season, whatever series you want to call it, Nationwide, Bush, Xfinity. I, st- I still most of the time call it Bush Series, but to me, the more fun thing about that track is the um, atmosphere around it. Um, the music, it's basically a festival out, outside uh, around. Um, and then you get you get the racing. I don't I don't see it being a very exciting race come 2021 just because of the aero package unless there's um, ma- you know major issues changed. Yeah. But that's Yeah. That's basically my opinion of the track yes. itself. It's it's not it's not going to be the best racing, I don't think. Yeah, I think, and I mean, the fact is you were there and you've been able to experience it and you have the fan perspective, which is the same way I feel about Dover and Pocono, which are considered two of the worst racetracks on the schedule. When you ask most um, other fans, they'll say, oh, that's terrible racing. But if I love Pocono because of just the atmosphere, just the, the camaraderie and talking to people and BSing and the the you know getting blasted and all that i mean all the things that you would expect to just have you you get away from the different you know feelings or thoughts or beliefs that may exist within society when you just go up into those mountains it's like a whole different world um so hopefully the music piece as i think is one aspect that they're using in their favor they're hoping that nashville meaning country singers and all that will kind of embrace it and that'll be an extra push to kind of put it over the top and possibly get that help now i would venture to say okay if all these nashville singers can do all that they could possibly go and get together and work with smi and maybe go and help in terms of getting the track meaning just fairgrounds back. Now, Clayton, I'm going to toss to you before um, uh, we go and transition into the ALSCO 500K. Um, I, I look at it in the sense of how, how the Smiths have done business over the years, and they've kind of screwed over fan bases. Um, as for us being relatively local guys, what are we supposed to do in terms of racing? Like, are we getting to a point now where we may only be able to go to Watkins Glen and maybe New Hampshire? Like, is that where we're getting to or because NASCAR wants to have complete control? Well, I, th- I don't think Dover is ever going to go away or Pocono. And I'll say, I'll tell you why. I think part of it is the New York market. I mean, as great as the national market is and as hot as that area is right now, you still have a New York market. And that was, you know, they were talking about putting a racetrack around the Meadowlands at one time. Uh, and so the New York market was really, really hot at one point for, for stock car racing. But again, to me, what we need to, to – here's the thing with Dover. And, and I love Dover. I've been a Dover – God, I can't tell you, 10, 15 times in my yeah. life. I, it, I love Dover. And, but I'm going to be completely honest. You know, every year I went to Dover, the crowd started to – fizzle down fizzle down fizzle down fizzle down and i'm going what's going on here like and and we could get in all night we can spend literally spend all night on why the why the the racing at dover wasn't as good as it had been in years past i don't want to turn that turn it into that but um 
what I'm saying is I kind of expected this. I kind of saw this coming from Dover. I think we even discussed it a little bit about yeah. maybe going to one date. Now, what's interesting is they seem to be losing their their playoff date. Although I don't know if this year's race is even in playoffs or not, but they no. seem to be losing their second date instead of their first date, which is interesting. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm I'm disappointed for sure because I, I I like going to Dover, but I could never make both races anyway. So, really, what we're gonna have to do is is either pick Pocono or Dover, and I I don't. It's Pocono so easy to get to for me. It's it's a different story, but it is sad in a way when you look at it and say. What Dover used to be, like you talked about in the 90, late 90s there when Tony won, uh, you know, it was huge. And, and even 2001, I know I got pictures. My wife went to race the first race back after September 11th, and uh, it was crazy looking at all the people there. So it's kind of wild to see what it's gone, how it's gone in 20 years. And again, we could get into uh, all, all the stuff. And I don't mind – honestly, I don't. if you told me Dover was going to lose a date, I'd say – I'm okay with that because the fans need to support racetracks. But, mm-hmm. Philip, the fans didn't support Nashville Super Speedway. I mean, no offense to Pork Roll, but they didn't support Nashville Super Speedway in the Truck Series or Xfinity. Go back and look at some of those races that they ran there back in the day. There wasn't a ton Before of fans there. Yeah. They weren't, there weren't a ton of fans there. And to me, to sit there and say if they – Let's say they, you know, the excuse for Dover is going to be, well, you guys weren't showing up. Well, they weren't showing up to Nashville Super Speedway, so what? Huh? And the yeah. track's been dormant for ten years. So, uh, to me, it, 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 that line of of fans need to show up and support the racetrack if they want to keep their date is totally irrelevant here because fans need to show up to Nashville Super Speedway and they got a date. Yeah, fans fans showed up to North Wilkesboro right until the bitter end. And their excuse was they didn't yep. have enough grandstands. Yep. And uh, the fact is now the place is basically doesn't function. But but because Junebug went and talked to Marcus Smith, he's like, hey, I want this track scanned so I can race it on iRacing. All of a sudden, Marcus Smith's like, oh, yeah, sure. We'll go and bring a bunch of people and we'll spend days and money and time to do that and fundamentally we could get into the semantics of of all these tracks that probably should be on the schedule it, it happened during all the the iRacing challenges that we had across the board i mean I, the, pike's peak i think exists on sim racing i would assume perfectly functional racetrack in a in a market that nobody has really tried to go to a challenging track a little more more appealing to me uh as a fan than the nashville track would be irp will always be more appealing to me than indianapolis motor speedway that was a political and a money deal to go and send in xfinity there and kill the truck series and the arca and the usac there it's there, there, it it gets to the point of where we're getting away from what fans truly want, and the point is, as much as it, it's it's typical of what they do, it's they are it's this is NASCAR at its what they truly are. They'll tell you that they care about what fans want, and they placate the LCD in their bottom line. 
for Nashville Super Speedway, if, if they draw and they have a, a sellout, God bless. If they can go and get Carrie Underwood to be in bare barely any clothes and go and sing the national anthem and you can have pastor Nelms come out and go and do the, the invocation great awesome but is that going to mean that the race is going to be any good f no the, they they would have to put grip strip they'd have to go and run practice like testing they'd have to put in because there's no way that goodyear is going to bring a good tire because they don't know how to and there's no way that the 550 rules package works at that race track so it is what it is. We'll see what happens. Memphis Motorsports Park is another one. They could have went to Memphis Motorsports Park. I could have dealt with that. And they would have had 25,000 people. I'm sure they'd have sold out there. You'd have barbecue. You could have the whole bit. You could have an eating contest out there, too. You could have Smithfield go and do a bacon eating contest in, in just before the race. That, that would make more sense to me. But um, I guess we'll all find out and we'll see uh, next June. We'll transition into uh, race reviews. We'll start with the Ausco 500K, where uh, William Clyde Elliott II took down his first win of 2020 after taking down the Bounty and now being nicknamed the Bounty Hunter uh, after beating uh, Kyle Busch in the truck series. And, uh, I mean, I guess... So I'll go to Josh first. What were your thoughts on uh, the Alsco 500K and uh, Clyde going and getting his first win of 2020? Well, it was an interesting race. Uh, I think it was maybe more or less the same over, overall as the 600, but because yeah. it was shorter, it just felt different. Uh, it, I think uh, that was an interesting ending. I thought Kevin Harvick was going to run away with it for the most part at the end. Uh, but then I guess his car faded the last uh, 25 laps of the race, and then Chase Elliott was able to get up there and pass him, and then Harvick ended up fading all the way back to like 10th place or whatever it was. But it was a, I think it was a decent race, I guess, uh, but not much better than 600 overall. Uh, and we uh, we saw Alex Bowman and uh, Logano both win stages, but then Bowman ended up. I, yeah, he stayed out on the last part of the, uh, or no, that was 600 actually. They, but I, I think yeah, he he, uh, yeah, I, I don't actually I can't remember now, but yeah, uh, they weren't they ended up not being factors anyways, and then uh, Hamlin was able to just take a second place finish. Um, but uh, yeah, I I, I uh, was it's glad to uh, see that uh, Chase was able to get a win finally. Uh, he was. Pretty due for a win, considering the two previous races, but uh, I'm happy to see him finally get one. So I'll go and transition to Josh, a.k.a. Pork Roll. You're a Alex Bowman guy, and I guess as a Bowman fan, what are your thoughts so far? I guess I'll give you two questions. What are your th- thoughts so far on his season, the improvement that Hendrick Motorsports and Chevy have done, and then bring it back to what has gone on since the return of uh, the Cup Series and some of the close calls that he has had, and what are your thoughts of his driving and maybe what he could have done or what he should have done to possibly get more than the one victory he has so far this year? Uh, I'll start with the uh, first question. Yeah. Um, 
it's it seems like they kind of the 88 team itself kind of kind of started off a little bit slow um but after after a couple of races you know they start you you could notice they were getting they were getting more speed and then they went to i think it was auto club or fontana or whatever you want to call it and basically dominated that race yeah and what was it uh phoenix was the week after um and then uh yeah and that was I it I don't really remember much about the Phoenix race itself, but um, it seems like right after that is when it um, when it got when it got postponed, um, and then or when everything got postponed. Yeah, um, everything. But then when they came back, it's like a light switch went off with that team. I mean, they've been you know competitive at least for for a win or a, a top five in every race. Unless you know something, something's happened with the car. Like he got, I think, I think, I, I think basically he just got outrun on, outran on the restart at Darlington with uh, Kevin Harvick. Um, I personally think if he was able to get around him there, um, that Bowman probably, probably would have won that race. Um, the real heroes four hundred, the yep. first Darlington race. Yep. Yep. Um, and then. Uh, coming coming back, um, Charlotte. I mean, he had a. I, I'm a Bowman fan, so I could be biased here, but to me, he had a winning car in both in in both races. But just in the in the 600, it seemed like the handling went away. Yeah. And then in the was Alsco, I guess is how you pronounce that. Yep. The, the 500k. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, him just pushing the pushing the car a little bit too hard in my opinion. And defense. Yep. Busted the busted the right side basically off of it but uh i mean the fact is i like and that's why i want to put it to you because you're a chevy guy and from what are your thoughts on this progression basically three for the last three years in the doldrums and now between hendrick rcr even ganassi chevy's taken off and all it is is literally they made a new front clip and you know like you're a sim guy you could tell the difference between on the downforce side like why what would all of a sudden now because of a new front clip chevrolet is all all of a sudden competitive again after three years of being out of it what are your well my my opinion on that is basically um, that point on the on the nose of the Camaro, I think it was, I think it was pushing too much air around the sides of the car, mm-hmm. and and you know helping I guess get a little bit of air underneath the car, making the front end making the front end basically bottom out, making the car tight. Mm-hmm. Um, with and it seems um, you mentioned with the sim racing, uh, same way in, same way in real life. I mean it seems like the curved the curved nose. I mean even when the car is in traffic or dirty air or uh what you know whatever everyone has a different opinion for it or a different word for it but it seems as if instead of the car being too tight now no matter what it seems that the car is a little bit more a little bit more free and it puts it puts it back in the driver's hand um and same same way same way over on over on the uh the racing side i mean iRacing has that like 
you know, down, kind of down pat. It's, I mean, obviously it's not a real race car, but you can kind of, you can kind of feel the difference between the, um, 2018 version of the Camaro and the, and the new updated Camaro, you know, especially, especially in traffic, you can, you can feel a handling, a handling difference between the two. And I, I think, I think that's really what's really what's helped them the most is just the, uh, change to the nose. Yeah, and it's, I guess that's really uh, that's one big piece. And then when you consider the kind of teams that are running Chevys, you can kind of put two and two together and why after all this time they finally are doing stuff. Uh, Clayton, I'm going to open the floor to you. I know we talked about it on Talking in Circles, um, but uh, what, what were you thinking in terms of I I say open the floor. I I think the the two having just over a 300 mile race made Charlotte palatable. But in general, what were your thoughts on uh, and what did you write about the race uh, on front stretch? So, um, really, what what I take away from the 300 mile race at at Charlotte, I apologize, is that um, it, it just it changes the way you view that track. And it, it was good because it didn't, I'm against lengthening races or shortening races. But if you're going to run a race on a weeknight, you have to kind of keep it within this length, in my opinion. You can't have it end 11, 12 o'clock at night. Um, and I know this race got pushed back. Uh, to a Thursday, but at the end of the day, um, it was nice to see Chase Elliott go out and close the deal. I think he right now is the type of guy you look at him and he might be the championship favorite, even though he's only got one win this year. Um, and I thought Ricky Stenhouse Jr. that night had a, a day he really needed to have. Uh, he yeah. really had a tough year. He's had really had a tough year this year. His season got off to a great start in the Daytona 500, um, and with taking the pole and everybody kind of, you know, saying he he did great, went out to Vegas and finished third. But since then it was terrible. Remember he started off the the first race of the pandemic. He didn't even make a lap and crashed. Uh, it was just it just seemed like Ricky never really could get out of his own way. But he goes out to Charlotte there, finishes fourth. And just kind of stops the bleeding there and had a solid day. So that was good to see on on his part as well. Um, and just, you know, a, another solid day for John Hunter Nemechek. I thought he had a good day. Front Motorsports seems to have, be a little bit more competitive now. But to me, the interesting thing is, and, and I know we're going to get to, to uh, Bristol in a second, but the interesting thing is how these how this pandemic and this week, it's kind of this week of, of a lull here now we're having. If teams are going to bring... Um, uh, new race cars to the racetrack. They really couldn't build new race cars during a pandemic because everybody was home. And now that they're back in the shop a little bit, they can build new race cars and, and have a week here to, to kind of get it figured out for Atlanta. Um, I think that's going to make a big change. So we could see a, a major change here. But as far as Asco uh, 500 was concerned, uh, just a couple of guys that st- stood out. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, I, the other guy that stood out to me was a guy who usually dominates this race or has dominated this race in the past was Martin Truex Jr. Yeah. Never really a factor in that race at all. Didn't get any stage points in finishing ninth. 
uh, I think he really stood out as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, the Toyota thing, I, I said this to Josh uh, Porkel. I was like, I'll take, I'm no Chevy guy, but I'll take Chevy being back and being competitive over the Toyota benefits that we've basically seen since 2015 when Kyle Busch came back from breaking his leg. Uh, that's basically what this sport has become. And I don't know how many races, whether it was Pocono or, or Richmond or Dover that I've been and one of those effing Toyotas won. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm sick and tired of that. I don't know when I'm going to get to another race. I'm afraid whenever I get to that race, it'll be a Toyota that wins. But what we are seeing here in uh, this return uh, post-pandemic is an ability for not only Ford, but Chevy and Toyota all compete, which when you consider it's getting to the point where it's pseudo IROC, I guess that's what they want, but they haven't figured out how to make everybody fast. So I guess we'll find out about that. Now, transitioning to a race that actually, honest to God, was pretty dang good. Uh, instead of the 550 rules package, we had the 750 rules package, and we were at Bristol in the, which I'm calling the Supermarket Sweep 500. They called it the Supermarket Heroes 500 presented by Food City or whatever, because it's a Food City 500, which is what it's been for decades. Uh, Brad Keselowski comes through after Clyde and... Joey Logano, a.k.a. Pizza Face, go and run over each other at the end of that deal. There was a lot of action in that race. Uh, they had grip strip on the bottom line there. They didn't put a full line. They probably put enough for the left side tires, but they were able to run the high line. Honest to God, that was one of the best races I've ever seen at Bristol. I'm more... I have more of a preference for what they had originally, which had three lines because of the progressive banking. Most people, most fans don't like that, um, but it was good racing, I believe, and it was a good race. And while Brad Keselowski, um, I'll get into that in more detail uh, later on my point, but uh, Josh, uh, what were your thoughts on, Bristol on Sunday and Brad taking down the second win in uh, a week or yeah, two weeks, two Sundays in a row. Well, yeah. I mean, the race was definitely more entertaining than what we've seen so far this season. I think it was probably one of the better races that we had. It was definitely a good finish. I, you know, Chase Elliott just drove way too hard, I guess in, into the turn three and took out Joey Logano and himself. And then Brad took advantage of that and got the win but it was um it was a good race and um saw had a lot of a lot of wrecks and everything which is what you kind of expect to see at Bristol and we saw Jamie Johnson uh take out uh, Ricky Stenhouse and then yep. Bowman got collected and a bunch of other guys Ryan uh, yeah Ryan Blaney had a a good race but then uh he, he wrecked uh in the middle of that and there's a lot of just a lot of good action that we saw that we see from Bristol. And, you know, you talked about the progressive banking, banking and everything, but, you know, the thing about Bristol is that I, I feel like before they um, 
you know, they, they did that, uh, I guess what you call grinding or whatever. Um, yeah. Back in like 2012. And I, I think before that, Bristol like wasn't really that great after the repave, but then whatever the grinding did, like somehow made it better. And to me, it's actually more, uh, this has been a point that I've had for several years now is that it, it, um, you know, it looks more reminiscent of the old Bristol that had asphalt uh, versus what, you know, it kind of got popular with the single groove bump and run uh, concrete Bristol that we had from, you know, the mid 90s up until or early 90s up until like 2007 or whenever they repaved it. But, you know, this the Bristol that we have now has a lot of uh, opportunities for passing you know, you have the high the high lane and the uh, the bottom lane, and and I think it even um, got a little bit better with uh, the PJ1 that they put down. Yeah, I, I think that when they redid the track, it was the first time as a fan in you know 28, 29 years, or I mean in total for me, but I don't know how many years ago it was when they did it, where Bristol was about being able to drive. I mean, you could. Jeff Gordon made a career and Earnhardt made a career out of running into people to go and win races at Bristol. And I'm biased in a sense of my favorite driver, at least my first favorite driver, uh, won one race there. And then it's like two races total. And we kind of my, like, I, there was very few wins for me. So it's like, unless you're like a Earnhardt or Gordon or a rusty fan or something like that, you're not going to win a lot. Uh, now there's a little more driving ability and I think there's a positive to that. And, you know, it's something to be said that you have to put PJ one down to make that happen. But if it means that I can go and say grip strip, then, uh, then it's fine by me because that's the name of our podcast. So we'll just go and promote it that way. Uh, Josh, uh, pork roll, what are your thoughts on Bristol? I know you love Bristol, it's been one of your favorite racetracks. You were uh, a gentleman and a scholar. You were able to bring myself and another person down there a couple of years ago. Um, what were your thoughts on Bristol on Sunday? Man, I, I loved that race. Um, it kind of had, to me, it was like, uh, it wasn't as much about the top line. Yeah. Um, as, as as a lot of fans actually like uh, like that, um, I'm, I I still miss the old the old Bristol, which is you know around, around the bottom in the corners. Um, so I really I really like that aspect of it. Um, I wish I wish Bowman hadn't got wrecked. Yeah, <laughs> had to be a, had to be a little bit of a fanboy there. Yeah, but uh, I mean it is what it is. That's 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 just racing. Um, but as you know, I'm. I'm a huge fan of that racetrack and, uh, and any, anything about it. Um, also, uh, where I lost or where I gained the knowledge of, uh, pork roll existing. Yep. Um, I wish I could find that in Kentucky, but it just yeah, doesn't ain't exist. Gonna happen. Ain't it just doesn't either. exist. Um, yeah. so I've basically gave up on that until, uh, you and I can get to Bristol again. Absolutely. Uh, I'll go and toss to, uh, Clayton, in terms of before, this will be a preview for our show tomorrow night, uh, and you could go and do a little bit of uh, promo if you want to, Clayton. Uh, what were your uh, takeaways? Um, before I go there, 
Brad Kozlowski gets a second win of the year, leads under 15 laps. Clint Boyer, Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Busch, Eric Jones, your top five. Austin Dillon, Kurt Busch, William Byron, Christopher Bell gets his first or gets his best finish, I believe, in his Cup Series career in ninth. And Bubba Wallace, a uh, 10th place finish. Uh, bias kicking in for me. I'll take it. He should have finished higher than that, but he had no tires, got used up. Uh, we'll go reference John Hunter Nemechek, who had a great race car and had some electrical issues that landed him 13th. You look at Daniel Suarez with the that that 96 team gets a top 20. Timmy Hill, Boot Scoot Boogie, uh, MDM Motorsports gets a 19th place finish. And then you see some of the guys that stood out earlier in the day, like Truex, Logano, Elliott. Um, and there was a lot of wrecking. And uh, that, that definitely looked like an old Bristol race, uh, Ryan Blaney. Uh, spun he was pushing too hard which is something that i guess we're gonna have to talk about in more detail about what ryan blaney is and uh he finished dead last lost a lot of points there um we'll go and talk about the points but what are your thoughts clayton on the race on sunday uh just the carnage i mean that that to me is what really stands out is the attrition rate was so high here at bristol and we don't really see that anymore um at, at, in NASCAR racing for whatever reason, whether, you know, I'm sure it's the car, obviously, but uh, we don't really see a lot of carnage. Even Bristol the last couple of years hasn't been nearly as, um, you know, haven't, we haven't seen nearly as many cautions as we did. Now, I think the practice or lack of practice had something to do with that. Uh, lack of qualifying might have as well. Um, but it, that to me is what really stood out was just, um, it was, it in some ways it was a race of survival. And, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of guys, Christopher Bell, you know, Bell really wasn't a factor until late in the race when everybody sort of went out. Ryan Priest was a top 20 car at best until he, you know, and he ended up 12th uh, with really picking up spots there uh, after a couple of guys had problems. Uh, Michael McDowell as well. And John Hunter Nemechek. And, um, you know, I like, I like Bristol a lot. I, I do. I, I've always liked Bristol. I, I like you and pork roll and I'm sure 95% of the other fans out there love Bristol the way it was. Um, but this was about the best race we've had since then for sure. Um, and, and as far as the chase Elliott move was concerned, listen, he made a mistake, but you know, chase is going to start to get a reputation. It might not be exactly his fault. I mean, the pit stop uh, at Charlotte a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks back where, they um, had the lead and he had to pit and then Kyle Busch taking him out at Darlington. You know, Chase has had the fastest car here the last four weeks and he's only won once. Um, and it really wasn't his fault the other two times why he lost. But you have to wonder if he's going to get into a situation where people are going to start to question whether or not Chase can close some of these races. Now, yeah. I don't think he's there yet, but if he has a couple of weeks here where he doesn't pull off a win or two more – uh, and that car is really, really fast. That's going to start to be a narrative that's that's tossed around there about whether Chase Elliott can close races. So um, he made a mistake. You know, Logano's done the same thing numerous times, and hopefully he'll learn from it. But um, that's a really means what really stood out was the carnage, and of course that last little incident there with Chase Elliott and Joey Logano. Yeah, I mean Chase 
went out and defended Alan Gustafson on Twitter here earlier today or yesterday. I don't know. I, I there was a tweet that Mark Martin made talking about Gustaf because somebody responded to a post that Mark Martin made, and he basically said how Gustafson took him from being some part-time guy and he won five races and almost won a championship. And then Elliot went and kind of sold, no sold himself and did the same thing. It, it's kind of a thing with Alan Gustafson where he figures out ways to lose races when they should have won them. Chase Elliott has lost a lot of races that this has been his whole entire career. So you can make the case that it's a, both of them together where they've given away races that they probably should have won. Um, you can call it because chase wasn't as aggressive and we could make, you can go back to like we referenced Dover earlier. There was a race at Dover a couple of years ago where he probably should have been more aggressive. He wasn't that way. And yeah, he says, I just hate it for my guys, and he says that a lot. Uh, that's definitely is his thing. It's the same way as his dad's like, well, the thing of it is. That's the must be an Elliot thing. Uh, they have certain sayings that they have to do so that the siren will go off if minus when they win. But fundamentally, I mean, yeah, he, he, overdrove, the, he, he overdrove it, but I love the fact that you know, Hamlin overdrove, he hit the fence. Elliot overdrove, he hit the fence. Logano being, you know, butthurt. I mean, it's Logano. I, I, I respect him. A lot of people hate him uh, for many reasons. The fact of the matter is a guy can drive a race car, so can Chase Elliott. It's something that isn't going to go crazy. It isn't going to go as far as what Chase Elliott has to do to Kyle Busch later in the year. Uh, the fact that that Brad was able to benefit from that. I'll take it um, as a fan in terms of, do I believe he had the best card? No, he didn't have the best card either of the races you won, but in the end, it doesn't matter how you win. It matters. Uh, it, it, it matters who wins. And uh, it, at the end of the day, they don't care how you win it. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be the most uh, good looking deal. So, I mean, that's what it is. You go and take it. You take the points. They give the points out how it is. Kevin Harvick leads the points going into Atlanta, one of his better racetracks. He has a 24-point lead on Joey Logano, who lost. And Chase Elliott is third. So those guys lost around 20 points each in that. Uh, Logano's 24 points back. Elliott, 45. Of course, everything's going to be reset wherever the playoffs start. Uh, Brad Keselowski with his second win of the year is fourth. Alex Bowman, fifth after a brutal uh, day at Bristol. Uh, Martin Truex is sixth. Hamlin, seventh. Ryan Blaney, after a last-place finish, loses a ton of, ton of spots. He's down to eighth. Kyle Busch, ninth, and Kurt Busch, tenth. The bump spot at 16th is bald spot Austin Dillon, and he has a five-point lead on Tyler Reddick, or I mean on William Byron. Tyler Reddick, his teammate, is 37 points or 35 points out 
of uh, the bump spot. So basically right now, early in the season, we've got 17 drivers for 16 spots. Uh, All the wins are within the top seven in points. Uh, We will see what goes on. We'll have Atlanta coming up, and then we'll also have Martinsville in the middle of the week, which is nice. Kind of got used to that and enjoyed that. Hopefully that'll be a thing that they do uh, as we go along here uh, going into 2021. Uh, We will transition before we talk about the Atlanta weekend, triple header weekend. We will go into the Cheddar's 300, which saw uh, saw Nose Gold Jr. Uh, Noah Gregson uh, win his second race of 2020. Used up uh, Justin Allgaier to win that race. We were doing the uh, show, doing the IndyCar preview while uh, he did that. I'll... Uh, and you go into some of the other things there. Briscoe gets a second place finish, solidifies his points position. Har- Brandon Jones third, Harrison Burton fourth, Myatt Snyder, Myatt Snyder uh, finished fifth, Daniel Hemrick sixth, Brandon Brown seventh, Jeremy Clements eighth, Josh Williams ninth, and A.J. Allmendinger in tenth. B.J. McLeod, Vinnie Miller. Holy crap, that guy finished 13th. Wow. Uh, Timmy Hill, 14th, and Jeffrey Earnhardt rounds out the top 15. So it was an interesting race for sure. A lot of carnage in this one as well. Uh, I'll uh, toss to you, Josh. Uh, What were your thoughts on uh, good old Noah Gregson winning his second race of 2020 and uh, using up? Um, Yeah, Josh, I want to... What are your thoughts on the Xfinity race uh, and uh, Noah Gregson? Sorry, my my mic was muted for. Some oh, okay, yeah. all right. No but problem. anyways, yeah. Uh, what I was what I was trying to say is that I mean Noah Gregson, you know, he's gonna. I mean, I bump whoever is in front of him. Doesn't matter if it's his teammate or not. You know, he doesn't care who it is. He'll go for the win. And you know, he basically body slammed Justin Allgaier and put him in the wall. But that, I mean, it was a good finish either way. But you know, he um, when it comes down to it, you know, it doesn't matter for him. He's gonna do what he's got to do to get a win. Uh, and we'll see uh, how that goes moving forward. Uh, hopefully, they put that behind them pretty quickly. And you know, considering that they're teammates and all that at JRM. But yeah, I thought it was another uh, decent bristle race. Uh, you know, a lot of good performances from guys like you mentioned. Uh, it was even like AJ Allmendinger, who you know he doesn't even uh, race regularly in the Xfinity Series or even a stock car for that matter. Uh, considering he finished tenth, that's a good finish. Uh, I thought Riley Herbst did good up until uh, the point where he wrecked. Uh, so wow. and, yeah, and we'll, so it's we'll see Riley how that Herbst. Goes. Yeah, it's Riley Herbst. Yeah. The fact that he drives forward is 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 a is a bonus for him, but yeah, but he, I mean, he had a good, uh, I mean, he was performing well up until that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you can look at some of the guys that were taken out. I mean, Nita check went and almost caused a big wreck. You had some of the lappers. They had some issues both on Sunday and on Monday. Cody Vanderwall was in the way. 
Tommy Joe Martins had a brutal night. He had a better race car than what he finished with. Went on social media and talked about how bummed he was, and it's been a hard time for him. They're they're trying to make some progress there. I mean, Michael Annette, he got into the accident with uh, with the Ross Chastain, and that kind of that ended his day. Sindrick got taken out in that wreck as well. So two of the points contenders got hurt in that. Uh, Clayton, I'll throw to you. Uh, what were your takeaways from Monday's Xfinity race? Yeah, uh, it was interesting. I think what Junior Motorsports has done this year, they've really showed up. Um, you know, Allgaier had, to me, one of the better cars all day long, and Gregson was up there all day, too. Um, you know, and it certainly is something to have a conversation about. You know, how hard do you race your teammate in the closing stages? I know a lot of people had a problem with what Gregson did. And initially I did too. I'm not a Gregson fan. I just think I don't really care for him, but, um, I thought about it later and I go, you know, there's two laps to go in a race at Bristol, you know, that's your teammate, you know, I mean, you're going for a win. Where does the line sort of in the sand there to how you race your teammate? And I'm sure all who's, who's the utmost professional, sucked it up and swallowed it and he's not going to pay him back. He's going to say, you know what, that that's the way it goes. And he, and he didn't like it. How could you like it? Um, but at the end of the day, Gregson had a really strong car. He was up front all day and junior motorsports. I think, um, last year they really struggled and this year they're, they're really running good. We didn't get the chance to see what all Annette would have done. And, and that's another thing, you know, when are we going to see Ross Chastain sort of spread his wings here and catch a break? He had a right front tire, go down spin and it really cost him what would have been a pretty, probably a pretty decent day. And, you know, coming into this year, I think a lot of people picked Chastain as the guy to run away and hide with this championship. And he hasn't done that yet. I mean, it, it, the year started off horrendously by missing the day, Daytona race, and he had to run the 38 for Sieg. Uh, and, you know, it just seems like they haven't really gotten the engine going there. It seems like they're, they're sputtering a little bit. And the fourth place run at Charlotte, I think a lot of people said, okay, this is where we're going to see the luck sort of turn on this 10 car. And, you know, early on in the running at Bristol, he blows a right, you know, a right front tire goes down and uh, causes a wreck. And his day was virtually done after that, ends up 28th. So, you know, those are really the big things that stood out. I, I do want to give a call to Vinny Miller. You know, I know he gets a lot of flack for how he's run, uh, but he had a really good night. I mean, there, there's no other way to put it. BJ McLeod as well. Um, they had really good nights. You know, there were some cars that were in the way. Vanderwall, you mentioned, uh, the other kid, um, the other Ware guy, Carson Ware was in a way a lot that night too. Um, you know, and that's unfortunate to see, but it's the Xfinity series. I can live with it more than the Xfinity series than I can in the cup series. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, also the guy I always like to root for and to see do well is Josh Williams. I think he's got a lot of skill. He yeah. just needs an opportunity to go out and, and really, uh, show showcase that. Um, but listen, it was a race that uh, saw a lot of carnage. Um, but I think it was a sort of coming out party for Junior Motorsports. And I think that's a team we're going to have to keep an eye on that nine car. As much as I hate to say it, that nine car and that, that uh, seven are going to be really strong. You know, the one guy I didn't, and I'm going to end with this, the one guy I wasn't very impressed with, and, and I'm waiting for him to sort of just find it and figure it out. But we've been waiting now for three years, Daniel Hemrick. This was a race that 
A racetrack he's run good at in the past. Speeds on pit road, loses all his track position, and really never did any. I mean, he was a top 10 car, but he was never really a contender for a win. So I was a little disappointed in his run as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the, with Hemrick, he's got a limited schedule, and I'm, I, I guess it'll be my bias in terms of the fact I love his wife, but uh, that's a whole different thing, and there's plenty of guys that like Kenzie, but it is what it is. I, I don't know if it is just the stress of having to perform. I don't know if it's a trying to try out for the 48 car, which I think is a game and a play for Noah Gregson for all the malfunctions that he has, which are many, um, which seems to be a Las Vegas thing, obviously, uh, based on who comes from there. But, you know, you look at that, you know, the 48 might be in play. The eight cars definitely struggled uh, this year, and it wasn't like they were setting the world on fire even last year. But Hamrick, ever since he moved away from that RCR Xfinity car, it hasn't worked out well. Who knows? Maybe it comes up as we get into the dash for cash races. That might be an opportunity for that team to finally take off. Uh, you know, the junior motorsports, that nine car has won championships with Elliott and won championship with, with Reddick, one with, uh, almost, or one with William Byron as well. So the nine team is known for actually winning, uh, Gregson not being there in the top four was a drop off for them. So now he actually has to perform He's daddy's money. It's liable that whether he gets a 48 car, he might be in cup anyway next year. So we'll see that. But in terms of the uh, wanted to go and do this before we transition into the Atlanta preview, which all three races will be going on. All three series will be at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, The truck series will run early in the day, then they'll run the Xfinity series of the short break. And then on Sunday, they'll run the, uh, the cup series there as well. So, uh, let me just, and we go into the driver points, which shows that Chase Briscoe is the points leader going to Atlanta. He has a nine point lead on Noah Gregson. Harrison Burton is third. Justin Allgaier fourth. Ross Chastain was second in points, so he lost a lot of points uh, on uh, Monday. He fell to fifth. Sindrick sixth, so both of those, those are two of the guys that paid a big price. Brandon Jones, Justin Haley, Ryan Sieg, Riley Herbst. Daniel Hemrick and Brandon Brown are the top 12. Michael Annette with his 39th place finish fell out of the uh, bump spot. And Josh Williams, as uh, Clayton mentioned, he's now uh, 19 points out of the bump to get into the top 12. So we'll see what happens now with the dash for cash. These guys will be able to go and make more points than if Kyle Busch was sitting in the race and when you consider that the top three 
drivers in the current point standings are have five wins of the six. I guess we've already kind of identified the big three. I'm sure we're going to go and hear about that soon enough. So let's transition into the Cup Series. Let's go and talk about what we should uh, look for here in the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. I'm going to throw to you first, Josh. Uh, What are you looking for considering, you know, we're not going to have any practice. We just have a draw for qualifying. You're going to go out there at a track that's known for high tire wear uh, and uh, whatever that comes with Atlanta Motor Speedway. Who do you look for to um, make make a charge and possibly win? on Sunday? Uh, I think I'm going to go, uh, I would probably put Brad Keselowski uh, on that list because, you know, he's been a past Atlanta winner. Yep. Um, and seems like in recent years, he's been able to kind of figure out Atlanta, um, especially with how the, the, this car is now. Uh, and I would probably also expect Kevin Harvick. He's uh, been um, successful at Atlanta as well. And, um, I, I would expect them to probably dominate the race. Uh, I think the race itself, and, um, you know, it's going to be more of the same from what we've seen with this 550 package and just going to be a lot of uh, tire wear um, and a, a, a lot of really slow cars, I think. But well, we'll see how um, no practice affects uh, the racing and it's I guess it's kind of made the racing a little a little bit different because um, you got to be perfect when you show up to the track but we'll see uh, what what happens on Sunday yeah I mean the, it, we have to look at bad year probably be a couple of blowouts you're gonna have if there is long runs there's gonna be blowouts uh, with this 550 package because they're going to be running wide open for a longer period of time than they would have been in previous years. Uh, Josh, pork roll, what are you looking at for Atlanta? It's a good track for Chevys in general uh, over many years, but what are your thoughts or who do you look for to stand out there? Um, I'm, ob- I'm obviously on the Bowman uh, bandwagon. So, obviously. Uh, um, obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Bowman to to win it just because of uh, how well he ran at Charlotte. Um, I know both Charlotte races were more or less at night with the uh, Coca-Cola 600 being kind of rain delayed there for a little while. Um, but he he seemed to be strong uh, on on the ovals even even before uh, the schedule got postponed. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm gonna pick him, but you, also uh, going to going to what the uh, other Josh said, the non non poor for old Josh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you also you also got to look at uh, Kevin Harvick. He he runs really good at Atlanta uh, the past few years. Um, Keselowski, uh, Logano. Oh, those are out of those four. I w- I would. Uh, I would probably say one one of them will one of them will be the winner. Hopefully, it'll be Bowman though. Yeah, I would. When you t- look at the closest track that Atlanta is similar to, it would be ACS. 
and Bowman and uh, his crew chief, uh, who was Chase's crew chief in the Xfinity series, and also Earnhardt's at the end of his career, they had a great setup there at ACS, dominated that weekend. The only thing they didn't win was qualifying, uh, but he qualified third, and it didn't really matter. So I think it would be a Hendrick and Ford Penske Ford centric deal, but I'm going to throw to you, Clayton. We we talk about this on talking in circles. What do you look for in Toyota? Kyle Busch, you know Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin, all guys that have done well or have won at Atlanta. What do we look for from them? And also your your thoughts on who should stand out and look good here on a very rough uh, abrasive racetrack Atlanta Motor Speedway. Well, I'm going to uh, echo the sentiments of the other two, uh, both Josh's and really you is, is Harvick. I think he's always the guy you look at when you come to Atlanta. Uh, he seems to, for whatever reason, um, save his tires more than anybody. You know, early on in this race, I think we're going to probably see about if, if NASCAR has their way, we'd have like nine competition cautions so they could yeah. fit. Yeah. But uh, we're gonna definitely going to see at least one, probably two competition cautions early on to, to check tire wear. So that'll slow the race down a little bit um, and really keep the pack going. But uh, as far as Toyota is concerned, I, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little concerned about Martin Truex Jr. And the fact that he's missing uh, Cole Pern. And, you know, I'm not trying to say Martin Truex Jr. is not a really good race car driver because I think he is. But there's always that guy you win with for Dale Jr., at the end of his career, it was Steve Letarte. And when Steve Letarte went away, you know, he never really had the same success um, that he had, you know, with Letarte. Jeff Gordon never was the same driver after Ray Everham left. Uh, you know, Bobby Labonte with Jimmy Maycar. Uh, and the list goes on and on and on. You know, Kevin Harvick it, with Rodney Childers. You find that guy only once in your career and you try and keep him. I think Cole Pern was that guy for Martin Truex Jr. Um, and to me... That, that's going to hurt them. I also think what's hurting Toyota right now is f- this is just my personal belief, and I'm not sure if this is accurate, but this is what I think. You know, without the practice, they have to come to the track uh, prepared. And to me, that's where the engineering would come in is when when you're practicing. You look at all the data. They gather all the data from all their teammates and say, here's what here's where we're, we're lacking in, in the practice sessions. Let's put this into the race car, and we get it. We'll go faster. Um, and they don't have that courtesy to do that anymore. And I think Toyota's sort of above everybody as far as the engineering is concerned. Yeah. And I think it's hurting them right now. Um, so I think they're they're going to be somebody to keep an eye on. I'm, I'm really curious. This is to me is a big week for Toyota, it, just because we. I think these are going to be new race cars for a lot of these teams, and uh, this is a, a chance for them to go out and really perform. Um, I do think we're going to see uh, Alex Bowman absolutely will be fast. I think Chase Elliott's going to be very, very fast. And don't sleep on Jimmy Johnson. I know mm-hmm. people don't like to hear that me say that, but he's he's run good. I know he got got the penalty a couple of weeks ago with a runner-up finish, but that 48 team is starting to seem to find their legs a little bit here. And listen, Jimmy, if you get him close, I really believe he could still win. So we'll see about that 48 team. But those are the guys I really expect to, to see perform well at Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, 
Jimmy has been, ever since the return, he's been really fast and looking like his old self. So you you can't go wrong looking at him to finally get to number 84 and get to that historic number, which, you know, both uh, Bob Bobby Allison and Daryl Waltrip have. Of course, Bobby Allison should have 85, but that's beside the point. He's tied, uh, Jimmy's tied with the great uh, Kaylee Arborough at 83. And uh, they both have won, they won three straight championships together. So I would say that, I mean, when we go look at Atlanta, Kevin Harvick figured out a thing a long time ago about being able to eat that bottom line. And on that racetrack, it pays dividends. But now that we've got a lower horsepower package, you need to get more momentum. And I'll just go out and say it. It's a dice throw for me, and it's something I'm doing in terms of the gambling side. When you've got people that can run the high line, it's a reason why Larson, when before he hard-hard himself out of the Cup Series, was good at Atlanta. I look at Tyler Reddick. I look at the RCR team being able to come through and him and Randall Burnett be able to use this opportunity. And they have opportunities because you had, you have Atlanta this week and then you have Homestead the following week at two racetracks that are rough and abrasive where Reddick can go and lock himself into this playoff and then go and R&D and learn and figure out things before it really counts. Will they win the championship? I doubt it. But, of course, he's a two-time defending Xfinity champ, and nobody believed he was going to do it with junior motorsports either. So you never know. That's a dice roll, high uh, odds with a great payoff. But when it comes down to it, you're going to go for the guys that everybody knows. You're going to go for the Harvicks. You're going to go for Penske's. You're going to go for uh, Gibbs. You're going to assume one of those three teams with SHR, Penske, or Gibbs is going to go and win. Um, we'll go and change over from that to the Xfinity series, the Echo Park 250. It's a dash for cash event so no uh, cup regulars out there i'm gonna go and toss to you josh who do you look for to to go and win but who is somebody that may be a wild card guy that may uh sneak in um i i'm gonna go with probably one of the jr motorsports cars uh for, I think possibly, I mean, I think Justin Allgaier possibly could be a guy um, that you uh, could consider. He's led the most laps uh, so far in the Xfinity series, but he just hasn't closed the deal. And I look for him to possibly go out there and uh, lead a lot more laps, if not win the race. And I don't know, maybe for a wild card, uh, I would pick Ross Chastain. I know he's not really a. It, it's not that he's a, you know, not doing well, and that you would not expect him to come out and race. But um, he just, uh, you know, he, I don't know if he um, has uh, done a, a lot of. Um, I, I mean, he hasn't won a lot of races yet. So if he can go out there 
and win the race uh, or you know finish in the top five, that would that would be a, a great finish for him. Uh, I'd uh, probably pick um, Matt DiBenedetto as a wild card. I mean, he no, he doesn't run great, but I mean, there's some uh, hit. You know, it, that team is kind of hit or miss, it seems. But uh, I, th- I think what they finished was it second at Vegas earlier in the season. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. So I'd, uh, I'd, I'd pick Diburito as uh, the wild card heading into this weekend. All right, Clayton, where are your, what are you thinking in terms of this uh, Xfinity or I mean, this Cup Series race at uh, Atlanta? Well, I, you know, uh, the Cup Series race at Atlanta, to me, there, there's a lot to take in. And, and one thing, again, is uh, I talked about Harvick. And how I think he's or Xfinity to, series, sorry. the Xfinity series for sure. So uh, a guy I always look to, and and to me he is the favorite right now in this Xfinity series, and that's Chase Briscoe. Um, I, I this sort of fits his background. He's a dirt, he comes from a dirt background, um, and that 98's been fast, man. And and I didn't expect him to blossom the way he has this year. I thought maybe it would take him another year to really see the true Chase Briscoe. But he's really done well, and, and I expect him to really, really be a, a factor, maybe even a favor coming into this race here on uh, on Saturday. Um, other guys that think that'll be really strong. Uh, you got to look at the Toyotas, and, and Gibbs, to me, their driver lineup this year is not very good at all. Uh, Herbs, I don't care for. I don't think Brandon Jones is very good. And uh, Harrison Burton's still very raw. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're going to be fast. There's no question. But can they contend for a win? That's going to be the interesting thing to keep an eye on. And, and again, you know, Junior Motorsports, and I think one of you guys mentioned it, Junior Motorsports, I expect them to be fast. Gregson, um, build off that momentum from Bristol and Allgaier as well. Uh, veteran driver who's run here a lot, got a lot of starts under his belt. Uh, I expect him to be really fast as well. Yeah, I mean, with Atlanta, with it being a dash for cash race, you're not going to have those cup guys, which means it's an open forum. Uh, the points you made, Clayton, about Joe Gibbs, really the relative talent to what they have in terms of equipment isn't doesn't really measure up. I would say that would be the same thing for Penske with Sindrick. There's only two Fords out there that are competitive, so it's him and Briscoe. Uh, JRM uh, has to take this opportunity, whether it is Allgaier, who's been sniffing victories virtually every race, and hasn't been able to. Daniel Hemrick, it's a big opportunity for him. Uh, after a year plus of kind of having uh, having his, his uh, belief and his talent questioned when you consider what he's done in a super late model and late models and other forms of motorsport, being able to win big money races, and now people are questioning his ability he could go out there on Saturday afternoon and dominate and shut a lot of people up. And he's going to be running most of the races in that eight car. So there's a possibility if he does win that they have to go an angle towards putting him in a full-time ride, or he could go and talk to somebody like, uh, like Ryan Segan possibly get in for every race. Cause he did miss the one race there because of, uh, 
uh, what's his name? Uh, Burton, uh, uh, Jeb Burton. So he didn't run every race this year, but I figure they he would be eligible anyways because they they give char they give they give uh, whatever uh, waivers to anybody. Uh, I mean Chase Briscoe, Harrison Burton. I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to those two guys. Uh, on uh, Saturday afternoon, I also would say that AJ Allmendinger would be a nice little wild card pick, uh, along with some of those lower funded teams like Ryan Seek, Tommy Joe Martins, Brandon Brown for top 10 finishes. But I would say that AJ Allmendinger would be somebody who has a lot of experience at Atlanta in a cup car and has two younger teammates that are known for being a little aggressive or too aggressive, can uh, A.J. Allmendinger, he had unfortunate incident on Monday, he'll be able to come back. He could possibly do something on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening at Atlanta Motor Speedway in a limited schedule before he gets back to his main job, which is being an announcer for the IMSA series. We will finish off with the... Vetix Camping World 200 Truck Series race Saturday afternoon. 40 trucks will be there, uh, excluded drivers uh, in terms of standouts. Norm Benning because he's Norm Benning. Everybody loves Norm Benning. Trey Hutchins, who uh, his father made a safety device. David Reagan, uh, sorry Clayton, uh, didn't get in because of points. And then uh, Parker Kligerman, uh, well-known announcer and former decent race car driver. He drives the Henderson Motorsport 75. They won't be in the race, but there are 40 trucks. And one of them, or two of them, are Chase Elliott, a.k.a. the Bounty Hunter, and Kyle Busch. So, uh, Josh... What are you looking for? We have four Nice trucks out there. We have five GMS trucks. Is this going to be a Kyle Busch benefit because he got beat by Chase Elliott, or do we expect for somebody else to actually come through? Well, I think you should expect this to be a continuation of the last race where the focus was on Chase Elliott and on Kyle Busch. And I would probably expect Kyle Busch to come out on top here. Uh, I think he's got a lot of experience at Atlanta to lean on, and I think he'll be the the guy to beat. I mean, he will be the guy to beat, but I think uh, he'll go out on top uh, versus Chase Elliott, and we'll see how that goes. Um, You know, we also have uh, Ross Chastain in the Nice truck, and he's had a lot of success here in the truck series, so I expect him to uh, be a contender as well. And other guys I'd look out for is probably Grant Infinger. He's uh, always done, or well, he's recently done well. Um, and I think Matt Crafting, you know, you can never count him out. He's always been kind of the, uh, of the truck regulars, he's always been kind of the uh, most successful uh, driver in that series as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, it, we probably start to look at that truck race and it it goes with the two cup guys and then you have to kind of go from there in terms of the regulars uh clayton where are your what are you looking for 
on uh, Saturday afternoon from this truck series race. In terms of the regulars, who do you look at in terms of the regulars that could go and make something happen and maybe get an upset against two of the top cup guys? Yeah, so uh, as far as the regulars are concerned, I think you do have to look at the Thor Sport trucks. Uh, and, you know, they're usually very fast. I'm still waiting for Johnny Sauter to sort of hit his stride here. Uh, it's still early for these guys. You know, we got to keep in mind, you know, we're, yeah, we're in June, but they've only run about three or four races this year. So it's still very, very early for these guys. Um, but I'll tell you from last time we saw them at Charlotte, GMS was very, very strong. Zane mm-hmm. Smith had a very good run. Uh, you know, Chase Elliott, of course, won that race. Brett Moffitt's always strong wherever he goes. I think Ankrum's going to be very, very good. So I would expect uh, GMS's trucks to be up there and, and competing. I also expect um, Thor Sport to be up there. Kyle Busch Motorsports were out to lunch a little bit at Charlotte, uh, Lassard, and both Christian Eckes. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm still waiting for – I think Chastain's good. My My fear with – now, Chastain's not a full-time regular, obviously. But my fear with Nice Motorsports, and, and this is a guy I want to I talk about. It, is I love Ty Majeski. I think he's got a ton of skill. Uh, I'm just waiting for him to show to show that, you know, and really uh, spread his wings in, in a good ride. My fear for Nice is that's a four-car truck operation right now. I, I'm afraid they're getting just a little bit too thin, spreading themselves a little bit too thin here. I'm hoping that's not the case. But, uh, you know, Majeski has been okay. But um, he hasn't certainly competed for a win yet, so I'm still got my eye on those guys. Uh, and and I'll tell you the other guy I'm, uh, I think we should keep an eye on, and, and maybe not for a win, but um, when you look at this season and, and how it's gone for this particular driver, uh, you know it's almost you got to start to wonder what is going on, and are we going to see uh, this for the whole year? And that's Stuart Friesen. I mean, he switched from GMS Racing to Combush Motorsports Equipment this year. He was awful at Daytona, barely made the race there, finished 21st. Ninth at Las Vegas, didn't barely got any stage points, and he was out to lunch completely at Charlotte. Um, you know, so, I, again, we're only three races into the year here for these guys, but um, Friesen, to me, really needs to pick it up if he wants to, to contend for a championship. So that's who I'm looking at as far as the guys who run uh, on a full-time basis. Yeah, those are all, I mean, awesome points, Clayton. We talk about Friesen. He's 18 points out of the cutoff in terms of the playoff. Of course, he could go and win on Saturday. I doubt it because of who's in the field, and it wouldn't matter. Uh, But 18 points, you think about it in terms of how tight these fields are. You look at the Nice Motorsports group when Majeski is their main, their lead dog. And he's trying to go and take him and Phil Gould are trying to do what they couldn't do last year at the end with Gould and Chastain and win that championship. And they've been running three, four trucks every single week. And I do believe it's affecting their overall performance. I mean, you have to carry one particular person uh, who can't really drive. And then you have that 40 truck who usually is up front or trying to do something it's a little bit too much. I mean, GMS has put all their their eggs in the truck series basket. When you go and look at their situation right now, they're third, fifth, sixth in points with Zane Smith, Brett Moffat, Sheldon Creed. You Tyler Ankrum is ninth. Uh, so 
I mean, so all of them are in play to go and make it when you consider there's only eight trucks that are going to make this playoff. That's what the playoffs is, are supposed to be about. You're good teams, theoretically, if there are way more than what is going to make it, you're really having a battle. And that's one thing that the uh, truck series has relative to Xfinity or the Cup series. You really have to make it. And once we get past Kyle Busch's five races that he's going to run, uh, probably middle of next month, we might get a better idea as to what a truck series is going to be, but who knows? Maybe one of these guys goes out and wins. Some of these guys actually went and did some work uh, last week at Charlotte and and really ran well. So it, it we can hopefully, you know, somebody like Sheldon Creed, he hasn't won a truck series race. It would be a nice thing to see Zane Smith as a rookie in the truck series. That would be good. You know, Austin Hill's leading the points, and I, I didn't think that Austin Hill was all that good, but frankly, I guess he brought the money, and then he's actually shown some skill, him and Scott Zipidelli. That team was there, got to the Final Four, or just missed the Final Four, I don't know. But the point is they were around, and so you can't really count them out. They're a Toyota team. You can never count them out in the truck series. The only, only driver that knows for sure as of now, that is going to make the playoff is Grant Enfinger because he won Daytona. So everything is out in the open. Everything is still in play. Uh, hopefully a good race on Saturday afternoon. Hopefully it's not a cup benefit. Uh, but I guess we will find out. Uh, with that, uh, Clayton, I'm going to open it up to you. You could go and promote your... Um, your uh, everything that you're doing and then we'll go from there yeah so i just want to thank you guys first for the time tonight i know uh it, it's it's a pleasure to talk racing i love talking racing and it's great but uh you can hear more of my work and see more of my work and hear more of my work uh i am on front stretch i do some work from fresh stretch uh really my baby is a two-headed monster we have a, a piece coming out tomorrow um about whether or not we think from from motorsports can points their way into the playoffs or not with how John Hunter has been running. Uh, and they've kind of improved this year. So uh, we got one guy who's going to debate whether or not they can. And we got one di- guy debating whether or not they saying they will and some guy that, that they won't. So keep an eye out for that. If you like that kind of debating stuff and tomorrow night uh, at eight o'clock at nine o'clock, excuse me here on the East coast, um, we are going to do talking circles. It's going to be live. We're going to do an hour show. We're going to talk about uh, of course, the race at Nashville, and then we're going to pre- we're going to review the uh, the races from Bristol, and we'll preview Atlanta. So uh, that's Talking Circles. I, it's a podcast I've run. I've run it for about six years now. Uh, Philip is a co-host on that show, along with an, another friend of mine. So uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Um, and again, I thank you guys for uh, the time and 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 uh, let me be a part of this. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. It's great to go and I wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of have the uh, be able to be a uh, hired gun instead of having to be the uh, air traffic controller so to speak so I'm glad you're on an open invite uh, as the season goes on if you want to come on and talk about anything or promote anything Uh, Josh uh, your 
your thoughts going out as we go into a weekend, a very busy weekend, which includes IndyCar's season opener and a triple header with NASCAR. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing all the racing. I, I like it when we have a lot of races to look forward to. You know, I is um it's better to have uh, more than just you know cup to look forward to during the weekend because you know we got trucks on Friday. I think is when it is Saturday. Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. Okay, Saturday. Yeah, that's on Saturday, and then we got you know Xfinity, and then the IndyCar series that night, which is should be an entertaining race there at Texas. And then of course we have Cup on Sunday, so just a lot of content uh, to look forward to watching on Sunday, and um, I'm hopeful that it'll all be a good race to watch. Yeah, and we'll cover all of that. I, Clayton, you wanted to say something on the way out? No, just to tell you, I'm just excited for what we're going to see here. Um, I, I love the doubleheader day. Um, Atlanta's a good racetrack. I mean, obviously, we could talk about pre-Atlanta 1997, yeah. but unfortunately, we can't uh, go back in time. But um, I do like Atlanta. It's the track wears. Hopefully, Goodyear brings a good tire. Apparently, their tire is completely new this weekend in the Cup Series, I believe. I'm not sure about whether it is in a truck or Xfinity, but I know for Cup, it's completely new. And to me, the biggest story, and I heard a couple of crew chiefs on Sirius XM Radio this week talk about bringing new race cars down. Um, that maybe some of their older race cars is what they were featured in here since we've come back racing. And that we're gonna, they're going to have new race cars here at Atlanta because they have the week break and they've sort of been able to catch up on things. To me, that's going to be the biggest factor in the cup race on Sunday is will we see the same sort of trend, trends we've been seeing where – Front row has done pretty well. The RCR cars have really stepped up their program. Chevrolet has been very, very good. Will we still see that, or will somebody else emerge and completely flip, flip the script of what we're expecting to see and, and kind of you know take the season and, and tilt it on, on its side here and really um, uh, change some things up? So, you know, it's racing. I love it. I'm glad we're back, and uh, I can't wait. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to have a busy week. We're going to have a lot to go over here on the GSP. We'll talk about the triple header with uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway, all three series. We'll also talk about the IndyCar series making their season preview. We'll have Mike Joaquin from Pit Lane Parley, one of the uh, credentialed media members and a local here from uh, South Jersey. I have to have all my Jersey people on here on this show because it's our show. So um, he'll be on for that and we'll go and discuss the IndyCar opener at Texas. And then we'll also maybe we'll do a second episode and we'll discuss all the things at Texas. We will see what happens with that Uh, for Josh, for pork roll, Josh, and for, Clayton, thank you all for being on, and thank you for listening to Gripstrip Podcast. You can catch us on Podbean and also uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, where we have our uh, personal deals there. Um, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a good night, and enjoy all the racing here this week.